We have children's time. If you would like to come up, that would be wonderful. It's always great to have some company in the chancel. So, and it's nice to have company on the screen too. Thanks so much. Welcome this morning. Oh, good. And this is Luke Edwards' second time to come up, right? <laughs> That's wonderful. We welcome him too. So let's see, how can we, yeah, you can come up. <laughs> And we'll kind of get you on the camera. We'll all gather around here. How's that? Yeah, good, good. I think you can be seen. So uh, the gospel lesson today was about a guy who didn't believe. His name was Thomas. And we call him Doubting Thomas, but I'll talk more about that later. So there's also a tradition you probably don't remember. You kids on the screen probably don't remember. But it was called Believe It or Not. And it was in the papers. And there would be a little cartoon of something unusual or odd that had happened. And the name of the cartoon was Believe It or Not. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, no, but, but I think they make books that are, like, that are like, that have pictures in it and describe like crazy stuff that has happened. And the books are called Believe It or Not. I think you're absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, great, great. They have crazy books with things that say, do you believe it or not? And that's exactly what we're talking about. Like one thing that I read was there was this boy that had a pain in his foot and it didn't go away and didn't go away. So they took the boy to the doctor and they took out a tooth from his foot. Do you believe it or not? <laughs> kind of far-fetched, isn't it? Yeah. Believe I don't it. believe it. You don't believe it. <laughs> it's pretty far-fetched. I guess it's possible. Then there was I guess it's possible if you step on a tooth. That's if you step on, you stepped on a tooth. That, has, that makes a tooth in your foot. Yeah, and you know, that's true. There are some cells that uh, we're, we're not aware of how lucky we are because we have some cells that can grow things in the wrong places. And uh, we're just lucky when they don't. Yep. It does happen, yeah. How about this one? There was a hen that was discovered to lay square eggs. Yeah, I can believe that. You can believe that? Yeah. No. You know why? You know why? You know because what? Because they lay eggs in a box. Ah. If they lay eggs in a box and they're in a corner, then they can shape. The corner or the box would shape the eggs. You know yeah. what? I don't know. I've never asked the hen. I don't know. But I know, I know that there are watermelons that are square. Yes. They grow them in yes. Japan. And that way they can stack them up better. I kind of think that's watermelon abuse myself to force watermelon. <laughs> Minecraft. Minecraft in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Square. Square watermelons. I don't know how large they are. Yeah. Square pumpkins. Yeah. Square Probably. Pumpkins. I imagine. They have a mouth, but they're just square. Yeah. So imagine if you gave yourself a <laughs> So sometimes we know what to believe, and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we have to check it out. I was on the computer just night before last, and there was this thing from PayPal. And it said, thank you for your purchase of $438. And then you kept scrolling and said, if you did not make this purchase, click here. I'm not going to click there. <laughs> It's phishing. I can't believe it. It looked official. It had the logo. There were no misspelled words. And then I had another one with misspelled words. That was kind of a giveaway. 
but you know folks are out to sometimes deceive us and so it's important that we know what to believe and what not to believe and it's important that we do that together that we check it out with each other and check it out with the sources you know what's what's written what's public yeah all of that is good very good let's have a word of prayer gracious and loving jesus we thank you for your resurrection even though sometimes we may find it hard to believe Keep us always in your eyes so that your presence can be in us as we go out into the world, believing that you have saved us and are risen. Amen. You know, Max, thanks for coming up. Luke Edward, thanks for coming up. Bye. Great to have kids in the sanctuary again. It's just such a joy. It really is. So you heard the gospel lesson, Thoroughly Modern Thomas. He just wants what we would usually call evidence-based practice. That's what we talk about in psychology and medicine all the time. Prior translations of this text didn't even mention the word doubt. Our text today does, the way it's translated, but earlier translations did not say doubt. Instead, the translations had Jesus saying, be not faithless, but believing. Doubt was our word for Thomas. We'll talk more about that later, as you can imagine. Doubt comes from a word that means to waver, and Thomas doesn't seem to waver. He's pretty clear about what he thinks, and Thomas wants clarity. Well, don't we all? Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus had said to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and you know the place where I am going. And Thomas replies, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas just wants clarity. He doesn't have a high tolerance for ambiguity. And even earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus was going to return to Judea where there had already been a threat on his life. And Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. These are the speaking parts that Thomas has in the Gospel of John, and it sounds to me like there's no lack of commitment there, no wavering. And remember from last Sunday, all the disciples had doubted. The men didn't believe the women when they had told them about the resurrection. So doubt has become our word for Thomas, and we often make it sound like doubt is a bad thing. Well, if it is, or if it isn't, we're in splendid company when we doubt. Moses was none too sure about this call from the burning bush, remember? He tried to bail out of it. And Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, comes fresh off a huge triumph with the prophets of Baal, and Elijah prays for rain, and a seven-year drought is ended. And after all that victory, after all that great stuff, Elijah hears of a plot on his life from Jezebel, and he flees in fear to the desert, sits alone under a solitary broom tree for a little bit of shade, and he has a major depressive episode, asking that he might just die. St. Paul, remember, he composes and probably dictates his soaring lyrical hymn to divine love as he dictates his first letter to the Corinthians. And then I picture him as pausing and becoming just a bit reflective, maybe putting his head back on the stone wall where he's been seated. And eventually Paul says, for now, 
for now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I understand in part, then I will understand fully, even as I have been fully understood. So when you waver, when you wonder, when you doubt, you're in splendid company. See, Thomas doesn't really doubt. He knows, he knows Jesus is dead. And lest some imposter try to come in and stand in Jesus' place saying, believe it or not, Thomas says, I have to see the wounds. And then I have to put my finger in the nail marks and thrust my hand in his side. I mean, Thomas is really kind of angry with the other uh, apostles. He's being very forthright as he speaks to them in the original. He's really saying, I'm going to stick my hand in his side, which for those of us who have had surgery, it's kind of like, oh! but that's what he says. I mean, he's having none of this nonsense from the rest of the disciples. And Thomas says, unless I do that, I will not believe. Thoroughly modern Thomas. He just wants to go with the evidence. Don't we all? Days later, the disciples are assembled again. And this time, Thomas is there. Although the doors are shut, Jesus appears and once again says, peace be with you. And then immediately, Jesus turns to Thomas. And using Thomas's own exact words that he had said days before, Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, thrust your hand into my side. Then, at least in my Greek Testament, Jesus does not say, do not doubt. Jesus doesn't say, do not doubt. Rather, Jesus says, don't not believe, but believe. I like the old translation. Don't be faithless, but faithful. So Thomas has called Jesus Lord before, but now Thomas falls to his knees and looks on the one whom they have pierced and says, my Lord and my God. So what are we to make out of these supremely human and supremely divine texts that we will be following all through the Sundays of Easter? How about for those of us who have not seen and yet have come to believe, and that's all of us in this room, more or less. Does our belief mean that we never wonder, that we never waver? What does belief mean? And actually, as a pastor, I have serious issues with the words believe for a number of reasons, because after all, people can believe all sorts of nonsense. They can also not believe that certain events that were obvious, obvious and observed by multitudes, like the Holocaust or like the Sandy Hook ma massacre, they can be so witless as to be convinced that those events never happened. Or you can believe that you locked the front door, but you have to go back and check. Or you can believe it's 3.30 when it's 5.30. What does this belief mean that we toss about so glibly in the church? And actually, that's about nine Sundays of adult forum to talk about that. But I won't be here that long, so you're going to get off easily. What is faith about? Years ago, 
I heard a sermon from one of our Lutheran College professors that helped me understand a little bit about faith and belief, and I've never forgotten it. He said that the early church writers, the scholastics, the really solid Roman Catholic uh, writers like St. Thomas Aquinas, and the reformers, they all talked of belief as having three parts or components. And of course, those three components had Latin names, because that's the language we spoke in our branch of the church forever. The first component of belief was called notitia, and it means knowledge, just plain knowledge, stuff you know. Why, why don't you kind of say the word to yourself, notitia? It's like you just know your mother's birthday, or you better. You know a certain thing to be the case, or even that you know what's at the intersection of 19th Avenue and Quintara. Then the second component of belief was called ascensus. Why don't you say that word to yourself, ascensus. And if that sounds like ascent to you, that's because we get the word ascent from that Latin root. Yes, we agree, we assent. Then the third component of belief was called fiducia. Why don't you say that word to yourself, fiducia. If that sounds like fiduciary to you, that's because we get that word from the Latin fiducia. It means trust, which is a big deal for many of us and a huge challenge for many of us, especially if we grew up with trauma. But fiducia means trust. So knowledge, assent, and trust. These are the three components of belief when we talk about belief. And I suppose there's a story to go along with this because that's what I heard 30 years ago. And it's a story of the high wire artist. Maybe some of you have heard this story before. There was this high wire artist who dared to do really scary and unbelievable things. In the early 1900s, this high wire artist had achieved great fame across both sides of the Atlantic Ocean for his daring and his bravery and his skill. He had walked across wires that were suspended between cathedral towers. He had crossed on wires suspended across mountains over deep gorges and raging rivers. And when he walked across these spans, if that weren't enough, he actually pushed a wheelbarrow in front of him. It was amazing. Now, this high wire artist was in America and to demonstrate his bravery, and to boost his, I didn't have Facebook then, but to boost his fame and his notoriety, he was gonna walk across a wire suspended over Niagara Falls, above the thundering waters, through the rising mists, and yes, he was going to be pushing a wheelbarrow as he crossed. So this was amazing. The Chamber of Commerce in Buffalo was all over it because they knew there was gonna be enormous interest. It was gonna bring a lot of money into town. And so flyers were distributed that people could read, and there was word of mouth that people could hear. And a scheduled date was just spread all over that corner of New York State. So on the day of the crossing, there's this huge crowd assembled some distance from the falls where the crossing was to begin. And the high wire artist climbed onto the platform and he shouted to this enthusiastic crowd, how many of you know that I have crossed on high wires between cathedral towers and over raging rivers and between mountains over deep gorges. And the crowd shouts back, we've heard that, we've read that, we've been told that, we know that. That's notitia. 
Then the high wire artist asks, how many of you think I can indeed cross over Niagara Falls through the rising mist over the thunderous waters, pushing a wheelbarrow? And the crowd just starts to get crazy and they say, yes, yes, we know we can do it. Yes, yes, we've heard, it's true. That's a census. So the high wire artist shouts back to the cheering crowd, fantastic, now, which one of you wants to get in the wheelbarrow? That's a census. That's a census. In our faith journeys, in our own paths to belief, we know we assent and we trust, even though it's not always easy for some of us. We see our risen, wounded Savior present in the sacrament. We see our risen, wounded Savior present in the Word. We see our risen, wounded Savior in his body, the church, sometimes in disguise, but we see our wounded, risen Savior in the church. We see our risen, wounded Savior in all those around us, in our neighbors whom we are called to serve. And finally, we see our risen, wounded Savior in all creation, all of creation that groans together for redemption. We know, we assent, and we trust. Or sometimes we don't know. And maybe we're not in total agreement and we can't give full assent. And yet we move forward. We get in the wheelbarrow with some trepidation, not without anxiety or concern or doubt, but trusting in the one who calls us onward. We walk by faith and not by sight. We get in the wheelbarrow, even when we're not so sure about all this. Trust, like courage, is best understood not as the absence of fear or anxiety, but rather the strength to move forward despite our fear and our anxiety and, yes, our doubts. Knowing who holds the future, who's there waiting for us. And like those first apostles and disciples, we move forward together encouraging one another, building one another up. That's so crucially important, and it's been so challenging for us during the pandemic to sense that kind of fellowship. So in our text today, Thomas knows, Thomas gives assent, and Thomas puts his trust in the wounded, risen Lord. And Thomas's life is transformed forever. Remember, maybe he ends up in India as a martyr. Thomas has asked all the right questions, good questions. Questions are good. And then Thomas can speak the truest confession. His mind is utterly changed. One of my Greek professors at TLTS, Robert Smith, some of you perhaps knew him, he wrote a book. And in it, he said, the apostle John is using the story of Thomas to declare that a Jesus without wounds, and that means a Jesus without the cross, is not adequate to meet the deepest needs of humankind. To believe in, to believe in Jesus means to take him, wounds and all, into our own lives. To believe means to participate in Christ's own suffering on behalf of the true life, the true life of the world. Have you believed 
because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Let us pray the prayer together that was written for the day of St. Thomas the Apostle. Ever-living God, you strengthened your Apostle Thomas with firm and certain faith in the resurrection of your Son. Grant that we too might confess our faith in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and God, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>